Welcome to UX Soup, our short form podcast where we go beyond the buzzwords and talk about the latest user research, technology innovation, and all things impacting user experience of personal devices and services, whether it be at home or on the go. As always, UX Soup is sponsored by Strategy Analytics, a global research and consulting firm providing our clients all over the world with insights, analysis, and expertise. I'm Lisa Cooper, and joining me today, we have Chris Schreiner. Hello. And Derek Vita. Hello. So as we head into the holiday season and brace ourselves for another wave of COVID, we're left wondering how we are going to navigate the holidays. Will gatherings be smaller, masked, held outside where possible, or will the vast majority of us opt for virtual gatherings or parties? So today we're going to talk about our experiences with virtual gatherings. So let's start with myself. It was my, uh, well, I won't mention which year birthday it was. Um, it wasn't a big one, but I had a birthday party that was online over Mozilla Hubs, where I was joined. It was a surprise, and I was joined by friends um, from around the world in this platform, which you basically go onto a website and anyone can sign in. You don't need an app or anything like that. And that was my first experience of a informal gathering. And no one had done this before and everyone was just playing around with the avatars and they were zooming in and zooming out. And some people were on their smartphones, some people were on laptops. And it was fun for the, I'd say for the first 15 minutes. And then I felt this dip where people didn't quite know what to do next because you can't just put, you know, you can't lean against a bar and have a drink or there was nothing for them really to do that they ordinarily would have done in a gathering. And so I wonder if this is something that we face when it comes to virtual gatherings. So to clarify, Mozilla Hubs is not necessarily just a, a Zoom where everybody is on video. Mozilla Hubs is more of an immersive environment where you have a character and you navigate a, a space. Is that correct? Yes. You have, a, you have a little avatar. It's very simplistic. It's fairly simple, but depending on what device you're on and there's little quirks to the system, it presented some difficulties for people. They weren't quite sure what to do with it. Um, it was very unfamiliar to them. It's not something that they have any skills they can transfer over to it. The people that were there, they, they hadn't really used it before. Um, one or two of them had used these things before, so they seamlessly were able to get into it. But there lies the problem of just like Zoom, what do you do next? I wondered if either of you had had any experiences with virtual gatherings or um, your thoughts on that. So throughout this year, my family has been trying to get together with weekly Zoom calls, little small family gatherings. And it's certainly nice to be able to see everybody for an hour, an hour and a half that we're on. But it is very different from what a normal gathering would be. So we've had family parties for years, and there was always kind of a set routine. People would break off into their own groups, which you it's, it's a lot harder to do on a Zoom call, and much more formal in that way. There isn't any of the spontaneous, hey, let's go off and have a conversation or if we're sitting around a dining room table to be able to just to talk to the person next to you. There's a lot of people talking over or silences because you're waiting for a break to say something and not sure if someone's going to break in. 
in an in-person event, you have the people that are off watching television in one room, people that are playing games in another room, people that are hanging around the kitchen or outside. And it's just a lot more formal and difficult to have these kinds of events over, over Zoom or any other platform that we've looked at so far. So my parents and my brother and sister-in-law will talk fairly often over Skype because my brother and sister-in-law have two young children and parents love to talk to the grandkids. And they're tech savvy enough that they can dial into Skype at a certain period of time and be able to see the grandkids. The challenge is when it goes beyond that bubble and dialing into these group chats. Yeah. So we have more than two parties at a time dialing in at a specific time. That's a little bit challenging. So you're talking about Zoom type things, Skype, rather than the virtual thing. Exactly, exactly. And for virtual environments, at least for me, I don't get it. I just don't. <laughs> I, I'm. If anybody has seen the American version of The Office, there's the episode where Jim is in the new office and everybody there plays Call of Duty. Yes. So they have the call of duty parties and Jim just can't figure it out. He's like standing in the corner, like jumping into the wall. That is me. That is extremely me in any of these 3d video game things. And so when we're using Mozilla hubs or any of these other immersive environments, it takes me an extraordinarily long amount of time just to master the basic controls. I don't think you're alone in that. No, absolutely not. I agree with you, Derek. When you have that one-on-one, Zoom works really well, or any of those similar video platforms. It works really well. FaceTime. Yeah, Yeah. FaceTime, Facebook, Messenger, any of them. As soon as you get more than one, you start even just getting three of you talking. And that that thing where you're not quite sure who should speak first there's just something intrinsically missing that if you were there in a group, that wouldn't happen. One regular part of uh, my partner's work cadence is these Zoom happy hours where everybody logs in at an appointed time. And it's like, it gives me so much anxiety looking over her <laughs> shoulder and looking at this because it's like a six by six Brady Bunch grid and you don't know who's supposed to be talking. Or I'm so thankful that at, at Strategy Analytics, we aren't doing that. <laughs> it looks so bad because you think about what works at a happy hour or at a party is all of these separate side conversations that yeah. naturally develop, right? If it's a party, someone's on the deck by the cooler, someone's dancing mm-hmm. in the living room, someone's in the kitchen having a private conversation. There's really no way to do that if you're on like a... a 35 person zoom call what i find difficult with those two is that you always have to be on you don't know who's looking at you at any given point in time in a in a in-person party you can kind of tell if you can just like get away with an eye roll or look at your watch or do something that might not come across terribly well but on a zoom call you're just staring at the camera well that's where the immersive platforms were more fun in the beginning because you're not looking at each other. It's an avatar and you're in an immersive environment so you can go and explore. And that's what people were doing. So it's fine for a while. But then what do you do once you're in it? Once you're in it for a while, people are then starting to look for things to do. 
uh, because avatars aren't really at that place yet where they're very they're realistic enough to capture our faces and things like that in current VR systems. So, yeah, I find that they go too far the other way. So you never know what they're thinking. You never know if they're paying attention right. to you because it's just an avatar. They could they could have lost their connectivity. Right, and they just stood there. You, you don't know. Yes, that's right. Yeah, you don't know. And actually, that happened. That happened to a friend of mine. She kept it kept crashing. So she kept popping in and then popping out and then popping in and then popping out. So you weren't quite sure what's going on with Helen. <laughs> Why does she keep coming and then going? And Or someone might have problems with the controls. And so they're doing weird things in a corner. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we really have to come a lot um, much further along uh, with these immersive platforms. But they do have some potential in the future, definitely. Yeah, I think they have some good elements to them. There are some that will have kind of spatial sound so that if you move farther away from people, things get quiet. So you can kind of step away and have more private conversations like that, that Zoom and FaceTime and Skype and all that can't provide. So recently we published a report on this where we looked at immersive platforms and where they are right now. Ever since COVID, lots of conferences have been canceled and they've been approaching VR platforms to host their networking pieces of their conferences. And surprising platforms like uh, VR chat, which typically has been used by gamers. So we took a look at platforms like Engage, VTime XR, VR chat, Mozilla Hub's Altspace VR. Also, Facebook has a platform coming out called Facebook Horizon that they're working on that's in beta testing. And what we found was that when they try and do everything, they kind of not do it very well. So that's what Mozilla Hubs had tried. They're trying to appeal to everything. It's a great, great idea to have something that accessible that's on a website. You don't need an app. Everyone can access it. But it had that feeling of, this isn't quite made for a party. <laughs> There's just a lot of missed opportunities. So when they differentiated themselves, when they did focus in, and you have a platform like Engage, which has done a very good job of focusing in on work teams, they make better decisions then. Then they, they don't need spatial sound. All, they need, all you need to do is hear the presenter in that case. It's because it's based on educational platforms and organizations and presentations. And so they've done a really, really good job. Did you find one that would be good for parties? VTime XR was good for sitting around and having a chat. You couldn't really do much else. So that was wonderful. It had really great avatars, um, but you could only have up to four people. Alt Space VR is very good for events, but they just take such... <laughs> Poor Derek would not do well in that platform <laughs> <laughs> because to move around just takes a lot because it's, it's not really made for your average Joe on the street. It's not made for people who aren't used to this environment. What makes a good party? What goes into making a party that is entertaining, where everybody feels welcome, everybody can come and go as they please, and they're entertained a significant amount? Like What goes into that? I think the first thing you need is easy navigation. You have to be able to intuitively move around, move around the space. Yeah. I think you also need directional sound so that you can separate off into groups and have private conversations. I think you need entertainment. So you need to be able to have in-platform games. 
that people could get involved in. A shared media experience would be great. There are some platforms where you could throw a video up, but of course you couldn't put live TV up because of copyright issues. But having some kind of shared media and more lifelike avatars. Facebook Reality Labs have found a way to create very realistic avatars. And that's currently in development. However, it takes a lot of equipment and a lot of data to do to set it up. So right now, it's, it's, we're not there yet. But it's very, very lifelike. And I think the topic of avatars is an interesting one because some people don't want to be themselves in these platforms. So you've got something like VR chat where you can be anything that you want to be. But when you're talking to grandma, grandma wants to see you. So if you want to look at that kind of use case, the realism is really, I think, more relevant. So once we get to that place, I think it could really work in a party setting. And maybe you could either choose to be, like the children can be whatever they want to be. Or if you are seeing grandma, you can look like you and act like you and you can see the eye rolls and you can see the little smirks. It would add a lot of realism to the interaction and be able to tell how people feel and think. Once that comes online, once we have access to that, and once we have some more user-centered design going on, and we've had a better look at the various contexts of use. But then you have the issue of devices. And the, you know, does everybody have the same device? It's got to be something you can access across all platforms, and that's where Mozilla Hubs is mm-hmm. such a nice idea. I, I understand what they were going for. Definitely removed the barrier to access there. That's fantastic. One of the benefits I could potentially see as well, and maybe this is already out there, I'm not uh, as, as close to this vertical as I am others, if we're not as concerned about being accurate with our avatars or anonymity is something that's a little bit more important, uh, something like music festivals. Mm. So a couple of years ago, I went to Austin City Limits. The music was great. It was a fantastic experience. It was hot. I had to avoid thunderstorms. You had to worry about <laughs> people doing your stuff and people smelled and were like next to, next to you. Was, as an introvert, it, it was not great. But in the time of COVID, you put this on something like Mozilla Hubs, where you don't necessarily have to worry about all of those things that made Austin City Limits maybe a less enjoyable experience. They did this on Alt Space VR. They actually recreated a Burning Man festival. Ah, there you go. And I, I, I haven't seen it or been part of that, but I heard it was very, very good. Also, uh, with our Digital Twin Cities report, uh, we looked at a platform called Virtual Helsinki, where they'd recreated Helsinki, the city, and they're actually having concerts in that virtual city. And people are allowed then to join um, either virtually uh, with their own avatars and everything, and they can choose their costume and sort of uh, show their emotion in different ways and dance and things like that. Or they could just log in on a uh, something similar to like a YouTube platform where they could just watch the whole thing and watch the avatars as well. And some of those have been pretty successful, right? Very, very successful. That They've had a couple of very, very successful concerts. So that's something that definitely I can see a, a potential for in the future. 
because then you don't you want to dress up then you don't you don't mind being anonymous you want the cosplay okay it's time for condensed soup condensed soup condensed soup and we're going to talk today about our best and worst differences we've seen between in-person and remote gatherings Derek why don't you go first Sure. So we talked a little bit about this earlier in the episode. One of the benefits of these remote parties, happy hours, whatever, is the anonymity, but the ability to be able to drop in, drop out, view an activity without having to engage in it. And one of the more fun activities that I've participated in in these COVID times is a local five-star restaurant that has been conducting several online classes on a number of different topics like pickling and canning and Filipino food and so on and so forth, wine pairings. And they have made it so that you can get the meal kits to go along with it and cook along with them, or you can just watch the class and learn from the experts. And it has been so much fun. Last Aww. night, I watched the sommeliers with this restaurant wear Halloween costumes and get drunk on boxed and canned wine. <laughs> and it was very entertaining. And I didn't feel like I had to engage. It was just a, an evening of screened entertainment. It was fantastic. Oh, that's great. The biggest difference that I've noticed between in-person and any kind of remote platform is is that nonverbal communication that we've talked about that we touched on a few times. So it's very difficult, whether it's a zoom call or whether it's in VR in Mozilla hubs or whatever platform it might be to be able to give your brother that knowing eye glance when uncle Joe starts on one of his conspiracy theories, you know, I, I miss that kind of interaction. It's hard in a zoom call to get one person's attention. You can sit there and raise your hand and everybody sees. It just doesn't work as well. And that's, for me, that's what I miss. So there's no way to virtually kick someone under a table? No, <laughs> I haven't found that yet. <laughs> Maybe I'm not following the brief, but I actually have enjoyed socially being on Zoom for the most part. Because at least at the start of all of this, people who I ordinarily wouldn't have seen on Zoom have been on Zoom. So I've been able to connect with people from England, where I'm from, or from across the country. And I wouldn't ordinarily have seen those people in that way. Probably would have been a Facebook message or a text message. And I, I'm hearing from others too that they're enjoying that. that and, and we did a report on it as well, where we're seeing elderly people using technology more and connecting that way or connecting through games or something virtually. Okay, well, if you would like to ask us any questions about this episode, feel free to email us at uxsoup at strategyanalytics.com. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Check out our latest user-focused insights on strategyanalytics.com. You can also follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter by visiting our show page at ux-soup.com. Please remember to subscribe to UX Soup on your favorite platform where you can review and rate our show. See you next time. Bye for now.